Hello, this is James Kent. I'm the Movie Morlock, uh, coming to you on audio and visual for this episode. Um, unless the video doesn't turn out very well, then it'll just be audio. Uh, but uh, I'll put together the audio version, probably hear that first, and then check on the website, moviemorlock.com. Uh, in the coming days, I'll have a link to the video that you can also watch on the YouTube channel, the Movie Morlock YouTube channel. And then the reason why, why do you want to watch this? It's because today I have a guest and you may recognize the voice uh, from a few episodes ago. I had this guest, uh, Shannon, from What Shannon Watched. And now she is back and this time on video with a really excellent uh, T-shirt. And here she is, Shannon. Uh, let's make sure that everybody can see this awesome T-shirt. Yes, hello. I'm wearing my A Deborah Hill Production T-shirt and the classic Halloween font. Um, horror fans know Deborah Hill as uh, John Carpenter's writing partner, directing, producing, life partner for a hot minute. Yes, and right, right. Before you met Adrian <laughs> Barbeau. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, just uh, giving credit to her for all of her contributions to horror and giving her her due. It's not all about John Carpenter. There was a lady there too. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, I've been, you know, it's funny. I've been on a little bit of a Carpenter kick because, you know, I'm not a, I think I've made this pretty clear that I'm not a huge horror film watcher. <laughs> However, October comes around and it's the one month where my wife gets to say, let's watch as much horror as we can handle. And then there's the fun part is that when I liked horror the most was when I was a kid. First getting a chance to watch horror movies. And now I have a 13-year-old. He's seen pretty much anything he wants to see. And we first try to get him into horror movies. And he was under the assumption that they would be scary, that he would actually be scared. And then he found that he wasn't scared by these horror movies and he just found them stupid. So he refuses to watch them because he just doesn't like them. <laughs> so just like in The Empire Strikes Back there where they say, that boy was our only hope. And then they said, no, there is another. Well, we have a younger son who's almost oh. at 10 and he seems to like horror movies he thinks they're fake made up dumb and stupid but he also gets the sort of humor and sort right, of the yeah. mini scares like there's little moments within the movies that he finds a little scary and so he's been enjoying some of them so we've watched that's awesome the, we watched the fog with him you know those are those are movies Ooh. that would probably be pg-13 if they came out a few years later um, yeah and he really liked that and Zoe said, well, let's watch the first Halloween movie uh, yes. with it. And he's like, I want to watch that. Uh, and so he enjoyed that. I think he enjoyed waiting to see what Michael Myers was going to do and who he's going to kill next. Uh, yeah. Because kids today already have like a whole built-in mythology of Michael Myers. Exactly. Yeah. Like you kind of already, it's impossible to like not know the story going into some of the like classic uh, franchises now like you just you know like oh freddie's the one in, with the glove and jason's the one with the mask and yeah michael's the other one with the mask yeah they're a fun they're a fun co-pop and you know. yeah exactly yeah it's just like in the culture now so like watching it like you already know like okay that guy's probably gonna kill some people <laughs> like you know you can't really avoid spoilers 
um, for some of those older movies. But Halloween is like always up there for me as one of just the best, most classic horror movies. And that's like such a good movie for to watch with like a little kid, I guess, is a weird thing to say about horror movies. It depends. I mean, I, I get it. If there's going to be parents that are not going to let their kids watch any of these things. Sure, sure. But rather than have my kids beg me to watch something, I'd rather introduce it to them. And if they're, you know, it depends. If they start getting scared at certain films, then you don't let them watch other ones. But he's not. Yeah, you can like get, things, you know? gauge their threshold for terror, basically. Whereas like, me like growing up in the 80s a like my parents didn't care what i watched like there was nobody really like monitoring my my media um and then i grew up in a house with older brothers who were just like uh-huh. this is on and you know we don't care about you dumb little sister <laughs> like and you're gonna watch the thrill of it hoping that it would scare of you. course yeah 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 because <laughs> like i was you know seven eight and my brother is four years older than i am so he was definitely like more in like like, like that 12 13 year old age and i'm still like oh i'm scared but like i want to be around my big brother <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to see this man with a machete. <laughs> well, you had all the tools too. You had you had a VCR and yeah. ca- cable and things. These are things that when oh, yeah. I grew up in the seventies, um, like that first decade before I was ten, mm-hmm. we didn't have any of that in our right. household. So it wasn't you know we, we got to see movies like that at the drive-in is when oh, we went yeah. and saw horror movies. So like when I first saw The Fog. It was probably a couple of years after it came out, but it was as like the second feature at the drive-in with another horror movie. Oh, that sounds like such a great like night out. It was like the best way to see the fog because it's like dark outside yeah. in the woods. So uh, horror yes. movies I always thought were better at the drive-in. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, unfortunately, like drive-in wasn't really a thing for me ever. Yeah. I think by the time I could drive, there was like still one hanging on in my town and I saw a double feature of what is it signs that M night Shyamalan movie with um, triple X, the Vin Diesel. Oh yes. The classic. (laughs) That's the double feature I saw. Those are, those are the kind of movies though you want to see at the driver. You don't really want to see, you know, like an A-list film. You you definitely want to see films right. like that at the drive-in. Yeah, I was trying to smooch the guy I was with, so I didn't Ooh, really care what was playing. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now now kids have to go away from the podcast. Um, no. <laughs> so I there were some questions, of course, in our first meeting uh, when we were talking about that horror movie, Malignant, that I didn't get a chance to ask you. And now that we're back and we're going to talk about some more horror stuff, eh, what is your earliest memory of being afraid of a movie? Like, what was the movie that really scared you? I One of my first horror memories is again, an older brother situation. <laughs> um, and it uh, I later discovered it was Friday the 13th Part 3, um, that I walked into the room when he was watching it one night and it's like something like the punks are in the barn and the punks um, are in the barn. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big punk storyline in that when some hoodlums show up. Um, but I, I don't remember what the, I think maybe somebody gets like a, the, the pitchfork hay <laughs> bailing thing yes. like through them or something. And I was just like, 
oh no, like, I don't know what that is, but I don't like it. Um, but also, hi, brother, can I hang out with you? <laughs> so you sat and watched it. Oh, yeah, of course, because I wanted to just like hang out with my my brother. Um, and he like never had a huge interest in horror. He was never like introducing me to things. But, you know, being a teen, he would like watch what was on. And so I would like to be around just, you know, your older brother kind of a thing. Um, so that's how I got exposed to some of that. And then I actually like unlocked a memory recently. So I just watched Night of the Creeps, uh, which Ooh, yes. is an 80s like sort of alien zombie yeah the tag great mashup the good news is your date is here the bad news is he's dead yeah, <laughs> tom the- atkins like delivers that line so tom great atkins, yes um but i i rediscovered it like 10 years ago or so because i was like telling my husband like i just remember seeing this movie like i was a babysitter was over and i was up too late like we we're we're watching a movie and like my parents like pulled in the driveway and she's like, go to bed. Like you've been in bed since you were supposed to be. But the only thing I remembered about this movie was there was a dog and like something came out of the dog's mouth and went into somebody else's mouth. And like, I just told my husband that and he's like Googling, he's like, is it this? And he finds Night of the Creeps. And I'm like, maybe. So we watched it and I'm like, this is it. (laughs) That is fun when there's something in your memory and you're like, I thought, I, I swear this is a thing that really happened. And then you go searching and then discover, oh, wow, yes, this movie really did exist. Yeah. And I must have been like six at that time. Wow. Um, and uh, so thanks to whoever that babysitter was, like, I don't know who she was. But, um, and that's like so much of like the horror that I like now is uh, of that time, like the 80s, the kind of cheesy horror comedy, like, not particularly scary like that's always been because it's it's such a nostalgia trip for me to watch right. some of those older movies because the 80s is just was such a wild and weird time and i just love the wacky stuff that was going on with horror during that time that we can look back on now and be like this is stupid <laughs> i know and of course you know your experience because i think we established that you're you're a decade younger than I am, you you're, you're alive through the '80s, but you're you're just a little kid throughout the mm-hmm. '80s. So you're experiencing the decade a lot differently than say I was, where right. I was, you know, ten in 1980, just starting my journey to getting to see rated R films, and then right. seeing all these horror movies when they came out in the theater. Because I think I don't know what it was, but my parents were under the impression that I was a big horror fan. And, <laughs> well, because I begged them to see The Shining, and that was the first radar movie I got to see. And, oh, wow. That's a good one. Yeah, it was a good one to be the first rated R, except for I think it freaked my parents out because, you, you know, they happened to pick one that had full frontal nudity in it. Which, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, that, that, that didn't phase me or anything, but, like, you know, they saw that. And they, of course, as we went as a family, my sister who was two years younger than me she got to go oh no and she oh my was just, god yeah yeah she was just, well this is the way it was and after the movie was over i guess my mom said to my dad okay any more horror movies you can take him <laughs> can you yet. imagine now taking an eight-year-old like to the an eight and a ten-year-old to the theater to see the shining <laughs> well so the thing is is that my parents were very young when they had me my dad was 21 my mm-hmm. mom was 18 and so they were still just like 28 and 30 
Right. Like they were when still these trying were to... Coming. They were still wanting to see these things and how are they going to see these movies that they want to see unless they take kids with. And so my dad in like starting around like 1981, I'd be like, I know I can get him to take me to this horror movie. And I think that's why, like he wasn't always interested in every film that I might have mm-hmm. wanted to see because I was a movie guy, but I knew he might take me to see Scanners. Oh, God. <laughs> he might take me to see Deadly Blessings <laughs> in the theater. Uh, you know, so I would get to go see these movies when they were actually in the theater. And then the Friday the 13th movies, I, of course, wanted to see them. And it was like, no, it was a hard no. And my oh, dad really? never saw the first Friday the 13th, but he saw the second one with his brother. And Which the first 10 minutes of that are just, here's what happened in the first one. <laughs> right. We got the good fillers. <laughs> Um, but he had kind of forgotten about it. And then I don't know if it was later that summer or the year later, they did a whole, uh, big double feature Friday the 13th, part one and two, and they released it in the drive-ins and the cheap theaters, right. To make a few That's bucks. So for a weekend. Awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, mom and dad, Friday the 13th, part one and two at the drive-ins. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. Right. And so they took, we all went and saw, both films at the drive-in and my dad had kind of forgotten about those first 10 minutes that happened in part two. So when that scene came on at the end of part one, where she's in the canoe, Oh yeah. None of us knew what was going to happen. And when Jason jumps out of the water, our entire car just shook and almost like tipped over. We were so scared. Like I know my dad like threw popcorn all over the place. And that's uh, so good. That was like (laughs) the last time I remember like being like that jump scare, like really scared for that one moment. And I didn't think that I was very scared about the movies. And so we saw the second one, you know, it was whatever. But then that night, and I feel like I've told this story once years ago on the podcast um, when I used to do the other podcast. And that night, there was just the overwhelmingness of, I guess, Jason and all that stuff got to me. Mm-hmm. And I started to have a panic attack. I was starting to hyperventilate in my bed and I woke, I didn't know why, but I couldn't breathe. So I came out and my parents right. were still there, and I'm just like, <gasps> and oh, no. I didn't want to tell them. I, I really didn't associate it with being afraid because I really, it was like, I think of being afraid while you're watching the movie. But it was an after effect that clearly the lingering effects. I was afraid that maybe Jason was going to come and get me in my sleep or something. Of course, yeah. Like I remember as a kid, like having nightmares about Freddy. Like those like nightmares where you wake up and you're like, I I can't move. Like I don't want to move. I'm so terrified. (laughs) But see, that's now that's where the good horror comes in. Is that I always feel that it's not about how scared you are watching the movie, but after. Do you have nightmares about it? Because if you did, then that movie did its job, right? Yeah. Or if it's like two, three days later and you're still thinking about like, whoa, like I can't believe I saw that. I can't believe I watched that. Like just for instance, I just saw the movie. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Titane, Titane, that French movie. I want to from- watch that. Whoa. Yeah. It, it's so good. I I absolutely loved it. But can't like, wait to watch it. It's so, it's, I don't know. Like, it's so original and weird. Finished, and... like, my friend and I just stared at each other and we're just like, okay, yeah, that's, that's what we saw. <laughs> and, like, somebody walked, I'm pretty sure somebody, like, walked out about halfway through. Like, she was just like, I'm. So you saw it in the theater? 
Yes. Uh, we're lucky here that the local independent theaters are requiring proof of vax or right. negative COVID tests. So I did venture out to the movies a couple times last week oh, and, oh, you know, couple. trying to what go. What the other one? Uh, I saw Lamb, another movie. Tell me about that because I'm, I've heard the name. But I can't remember what it is or who yeah, it has um, Numi Rapace from the original Girl with a Dragon Tattoo movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a first time director, but it's like it's an Icelandic film, um, and it's about this couple that just lives out like in the middle of nowhere. They're just these farmers, and so um, one day, like their sheep, one of their sheep gives birth to something. Uh oh. And then we have a what happens situation. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to say anything more and like try to avoid uh, trailers. It's a horrorish kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's really I would liken it to something like uh the Vivitch, the witch, Robert yeah, yeah, Eggers. Yeah. Like that's just like folk horror, like farming, slow burn gets to the end and you're like yeah, it's funny when you say folk folk horror, it, it, a lot of it is a slow burn until the end, right? And now you saw another folk horror movie, uh, the reboot of Candyman, which is considered folk horror. Oh, are they? Are we calling that folk horror? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well, okay, I'll tell you the little sidebar here is there's a theater in Cambridge, very famous, very old, the Brattle Theater. Mm-hmm. And they've been a revival house for like, you know, good 60 or so years. And it's in Harvard Square. So, I mean, it's just it, it, it's just got a following and it's a great place for people who love movies to be able to see stuff all the time. And right. starting this weekend, they're doing a, like a whole week-long series. It's called like Folk Horror Beyond the Wicker Man. So they have pulled together a curation of films that are folk horror but they're not the Wicker Man. Um, yeah. And they have some very obscure titles, but they also have the original Candyman they're showing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it technically, you know, fits the bill. It's about an, an urban legend kind of, ooh, is urban legend part of their <laughs> series? It that, Yeah, I've, I've seen that movie. Um, no, but- It's terrible. Know, the, it should not be part of anything. <laughs> So isn't it the original Candyman, which I have not seen in years and I have not seen the reboot, weren't they studying, they were studying like different mythologies, right? Yeah. And that's like um, Helen and her partner, whose name I can't remember now. I know the actress in real life. She's a director, Cassie Lemons. Cassie Lemons. So. Yeah. Who is really great. See, Eve's Bayou, right? Yes. She, she directed did. Eve's Bayou. Yep. I do love that movie. Um but yeah, they're they're like doing their master's thesis or something on urban legends, and so they decide to to research this urban legend about Candyman, um, who's like lives in like runs Cabrini Green, and so I shouldn't look behind me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, there's no mirrors back here. <laughs> yeah, I was trying after we watched the the new Candyman. I tried to get my husband. I'm like, let's go and say Candyman five times and he's like no I'm like what do you think is gonna happen yeah we should just maybe stay away from that yeah he's like I know nothing's gonna happen but I'm not doing it yeah why take a chance (laughs) and honestly same I don't really actually want to do it (laughs) what about the reboot was that good yeah so it's it's more of a sequel actually so um 
it, and I never saw any of the original Candyman sequels, so I don't know like what mythology there's more than those. One. See, I up. only knew there was Candyman. I didn't. Oh know there yeah, Candyman. there's like Candyman Two: Farewell to the Flesh, and then I think there's like a third. I don't know. Uh, whatever. I hope Tony Todd got paid and is like living a nice life off of those Candyman checks. I love him. <laughs> well, and if not, the Final Destination checks he can cash oh yeah yeah my wife's a huge <laughs> final destination fan she loves those dude i watched that whole series for the first time like two years ago and i i'm on board yes like the fifth <laughs> one with the the twist in the fifth one that i don't, don't want to like seen the fifth one but my wife probably had, or maybe i i don't know they're all blending in see i don't want to say too much because i don't want to like spoil anything don't if you spoil. haven't seen it but like the last like 10 minutes of the fifth one i was like mind blown like I'm on board. I fucking love these movies. <laughs> I love. It. I, I just still get it. You got this. Is so great. Uh, you've got like the orange sweater and then the Deborah Hill production shirt. Yeah, it, it's so yeah. excellent. I just love it. <laughs> it's a it's a favorite shirt. So you so you're like you so folk horror is a genre or a subgenre, I guess, that you enjoy out of horror. Apparently, like now that these things that I'm talking about, I'm just realizing like, oh, yeah, I really do. I do love this. (laughs) Well, I think that's what's interesting when you break it down and you start thinking about horror. What kind of horror movies do you tend to like? Some people like the haunted house movies, you know, somebody. Some people like the unstoppable slasher killer, like the Mike Myers and the Jason. I I love a slasher. (laughs) And then the folk horror, which usually ties in, you know, some mythology. So, I mean, I don't know if it would be considered, I guess, folk horror, but there's like the Baba Duck. Oh, is, yeah. It's kind of folk horror, um, which my 10-year-old watched this year uh, and he enjoyed. Awesome. I need to rewatch that one. It's It's been a while since I've seen that. I think I watched it when it first came out. I just need to to revisit it. That's what I find I'm doing this month. Like I, you know, I try to watch a lot of horror movies in October, and I'm just wanting to rewatch a lot of my favorites. I'm finding like, oh, we need to watch that, watch that again. Like I'm kind of wanting to watch Evil Dead, and I want to watch Midsummer again, and They Live, and uh, <laughs> that's another one that we watched uh, when I was talking about Carpenter. We watched that with the ten year old, and he really liked that. And that's where you know, so we watched so They fun. Live, we watched Fog, we watched Halloween, and then suddenly I'm realizing we're watching a lot of uh, Carpenter. He's also seen The Thing. Oh, the Thing is is one of that's an annual watch in this house. We're always that's one of my husband's favorite movies. So, and actually during the pandemic. Uh, last October, a local theater. It's a perfect pandemic movie, by the way. It's like- yeah, so a local theater, you could rent out the theater uh, for your friends and like pick your movie. And we picked the thing, and it was just it was so fun to like actually like be back in a theater with friends, um, a limited number of people, just like in the huge theater, like eating popcorn and watching the thing, which is such a great movie. And yes, great pandemic <laughs> watching. Uh, we did that twice, actually. And the other one we watched was Alien. So just really, this is what happens when you break quarantine. <laughs> so yeah, and of course, I know that you like Midsommar a lot. And that's, of course, it's, again, it's one of my wife's favorites. Yeah, not to bring that up again. <laughs> but it's that's, I think, a great folk horror. And of course, it kind of builds on the director's uh, Ariaster's uh, Hereditary, which is mm-hmm. another folk horror movie. I feel that uh, Midsommar's more successful. That's just my own. Per- I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
nothing controversial. Well, we've got a we got a main film. You know, it's funny you reached out to me, which I was very thrilled by the way that you reached out to me because <laughs> I kind of wanted to have you back on the program again, but I was like, I don't want to just reach out to her so soon. She'll be like, I just was on the show, but then you reached out Luckily, to me, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> I loved listening to the sound of my own voice for an hour. So, yeah, so, like, so like, can I do that again? You can. You could do that. This guy's going to let me talk more. Okay. Uh, well, believe me, the last few episodes I've been talking to nobody. I've been doing it by oh. myself. Um, it's not as easy as one might think to get guests to come on a show. Oh well, well because then I every will. celebrity, every celebrity in the world now has a podcast. They do, yeah, and of course <laughs> they're celebrities, so they get a lot more cachet than I do, and so it's hard to get anybody to come on your show. Yeah, I mean, like I had to tell Conan was like calling me, like you got to come on. I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna do James's podcast again. <laughs> it's a wise choice. <laughs> but uh, before we get into what you reached out and said, hey, we should talk. Though We've just mentioned folk horror a bunch of times. So you're watching the Halloween movies again. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I figured in anticipation of this new one, Halloween Kills, that had just come out. Mm -hmm. uh, And I actually thought you might have gotten to it. So I watched Halloween Kills. But now I found out that you haven't seen Halloween Kills. So I don't want to talk about Halloween Kills. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Like you can talk, you can give like impressions, just like no spoilers. Like I've seen the headlines. Um, as I'm scrolling through social media and I just try to right, not know, absorb yeah. any information. <laughs> but hopefully this weekend I'll, I'll get to it. Well, most of those Halloween movies are terrible. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> as somebody still, who's just watched but, all but of yet them. That we, but yet we watch them anyway, right? So there's just something appealing even when they never live up to our expectations. Yeah, especially like I just finished four and five and I've never seen six before. So when I watch that, that it'll be my first viewing, but I'm excited for Paul Rudd. I know Paul Rudd's in it. I haven't seen five or six or then I saw H2O, but then I didn't see the one after H2O. Yeah, I haven't seen Resurrection. So that's that's on my list. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see these movies because now I'm going to be full completionist. I have to see all of them. Yes, and unfortunately, I discovered I'll never be a completionist because I cannot watch that second Rob Zombie. <laughs> I have not watched the second one because I hated the first one. I just hated it. Me too. And like, my husband is like, you know, if you want to turn it off, just say the word. And you're like, no, I can, I can make it. <laughs> and yeah, so I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm gonna see this through, but I'm definitely like not watching the second one because there was I hated that first one. So 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 much there was nothing nothing that i liked about it well it's a weird it's as weird to say about a halloween movie but if a halloween movie could be mean-spirited <laughs> that's it it for some strange reason there's a there's a tone to those yeah. halloween movies that rob zombie thinks the others just weren't scary and here he's going to make it scary but it was just it's kind of just kind of ugly it's that's ugly is like a perfect word for it. It's just like n- not a single nice person exists in right, this in world. world. Like everybody is just awful dialed up to 11. Like everyone in Michael Myers is past, which again, like the last thing I need on any slasher is backstory. Like I don't particularly, you're not there because you're invested in like, Jason Voorhees like you want to see him like just 
slash up some co-eds or whatever, you know? So that's like <laughs> the Rob Zombie ones are very much like, here's Michael Myers's childhood. It was awful. He killed. And, you know, and it's, so it just like really tries to make his childhood so miserable and gross and unhappy that you're like, well, of course he would kill people. I don't know. Right. I don't understand the point of it. It was just... And I don't like Rob Zombie. Like, I've never seen any of his movies because stylistically it doesn't appeal to me. But I was trying to do a thing. and I... <laughs> As a filmmaker, he's interesting in that I, I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses. And it is, it is, cre- it was, I saw it, I was sick. Uh, and this goes back many years. It was on cable, but I was like sick with like the flu or something. And I was up in the middle of the night and it was on. And it's one of those, you watch it the middle of the night and you're afraid. Sure. So it's effective there. The second one that he did was a sequel, which was um, The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. And again, very unpleasant, but there was, but he was, but I saw something in him as this guy is an effective filmmaker. He actually could put together a movie. I'd love to see him do something non-horror. And maybe this guy can go somewhere. And then, you know, he's going to do this Halloween reboot. And I was like, well, this ought to be interesting. I think this guy's a pretty good filmmaker from what I saw in the last movie that he could do something. And then he started going this way. <laughs> with the yeah. Halloween. And then Halloween 2 I didn't see, but then I saw the Witches of Salem or the Lords of Salem. Lords and of that Salem, was really yeah. bad. And then he did some other film, which was like in a sort of a carnival or something with bad. And it's just, he is stuck in a zone that he likes to make a certain type of film a certain way. And I don't know. I just that's his bag and like you know studios giving him money and to do it it's their movies clearly like make money so why not you know I just you know I know it's not for me and that's fine if somebody else just like loves it and really enjoys his stuff like that's great we don't have the same tasted movies <laughs> yeah so I I mean maybe someday I'll check out this Halloween too but it looks like there's a lot of his uh his wife in it playing Michael Myers' mom as a ghost, and I'm just like, no, enough. Shari Whoa, she's a movie. ghost in the second one? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. Okay, maybe I do want to watch it. <laughs> so then there's the reboot, and I thought that they kind of missed the, the... I thought there was a couple of things that I, I liked about the 2018 movie, but overall, it's not what I would have done. So then this movie comes along, and I really don't have many expectations for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, my... 10-year-old who just watched The Fog and just watched Halloween, he was downstairs wanting to read his uh, new manga comic that he was reading. (laughs) And we said, well, we're going to watch this Halloween Kills, and it's probably not like the first Halloween. It'll be very brutal, pretty violent. And he's like, well, I just want to read my book in here. And I think he wanted to look up at the screen, and we're like, but listen, if it's just too intense, you got to go upstairs. He watched the whole movie. And he he was enjoying, he's like, I think there's a kill coming. Like he he was getting, he was into it and it made it more fun because we were having fun, but they did some things in this one that I think that if they took a lot of the plot points from this movie and had brought it into the first movie and kind of reshaped that instead, you could have one great movie if they had done just one movie and did a really good thing. But you know, you now have two movies with an intended third movie, I guess. And so I'd say the third act of this film kind of falls apart. But for the first two thirds, I really enjoyed it. I I loved what they did. They bring in some characters, um, some some callbacks from the original. And I thought 
they did some great things. And uh, they also, at the beginning of the movie, have uh, an actor who's also a director. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he did The Wolf of Snow Hollow, which I mentioned. And okay. he, it, he is, he's, a, he's usually very funny. He doesn't play a, a comedy role here. But mm-hmm. just seeing him show up in the movie was great. Um, <laughs> and so, again, I give it, you know, for a Halloween movie, I give it a thumbs up. Okay. Well, I have the high praise. <laughs> Just one thumb up. <laughs> Just one thumb up because the other half okay. got cut by Michael Myers because he kills. <laughs> he's just chopping up everybody in this movie. Uh, it was a little but, ridiculous, yeah. but you know that sounds that sounds par for the course for him. But no, I'm I'm super excited to watch it um, again. Like I'm not expecting to be blown away by it, but you know, I didn't hate the last one. So if a Halloween movie blows me away, I'd be shocked. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's funny though, when you, more you watch Halloween, like I watched it again this weekend, it, it is surprising. There's a lot of problems with that Halloween movie. There's just some real, I mean, it was a real low budget movie yeah. and there is some stuff. I, my favorite is that, uh, Laurie and her friend, is it Annie? Mm-hmm. are driving down the street and it's like daylight and then they turn the corner to go to the, the babysitting job yeah. and it's completely pitch dark. Um, and <laughs> yep. then Sunsets fast in Haddonfield. <laughs> it, it, that's right. It just, the sun drops. Um, well, because the hour change. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, there's another part that Mike Myers is like running all over town in that car that they don't seem to notice mm-hmm. is right behind them and he's wearing yeah. the mask but then and this is all day, right? She's in school. There's after school. He's everywhere yeah. with this mask. No one's noticing them. But then they're going around the corner on their way to the babysitting and they hear the fire alarm at the hardware store. And mm-hmm. she reaches out and says, Dad, what's going on? Oh, somebody broke into the Howard store and stole masks and stuff. I'm like, what is this alarm going on for seven hours? Because he's been wearing that mask. <laughs> Like, what's going on here? We can't figure out how to turn the alarm off. It's just been going all day. (laughs) So clearly these are just like, you know, these are editing things and stuff and it's just silly, but you just kind of go with it. And also, what's the deal with the babysitting? We never see any of these parents that are supposed to be in the house. And the one, she is going to see her boyfriend, Paul. The other two let themselves in and are all excited because no one's around. Well, they're like in some stranger's bedroom and they're having sex and smoking they're and stuff like teens baby they don't care they don't know about consequences are they were they gone for like a cruise in october what was going <laughs> where were these we never know See, that's what i love i love that you like never really see any adults in the movies like you see annie's dad because he's the sheriff but like adults just like don't factor into this world like dr loomis is the the father figure for for everyone he's the the one adult that's allowed to be around (laughs) the things that they do in this movie that none of the other movies ever do which was so great it's the subtle things where instead of the just popping out and grabbing you there are the scenes where you have somebody on the side of the frame and then you have a darkened Mm -hmm. uh, doorway and slowly they bring the light in and you see Michael Myers and just it's like you, the audience is seeing him before the yeah. character is and you know he's coming and that that creates a tension that's better than any jump scare. Yeah, that's I love that when you're just like, oh, my God, there's when you just see it there, like would you catch it as the viewer? That's I love that more than like a boom, like a, a door slammed shut. Yeah, that's just supposed to 
like to me that's like really cheap um and so like i don't love movies that are a lot of jump jump scares like and that's always been my problem with like james wan and the conjuring movies and stuff like that i feel like it's just a lot of like door oh it's just the cat ha 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 i'm sure the studios are demanding like we gotta have how many jump scares and for a lot of people that's what they think is a, is a scary movie if they're going to get Absolutely. scared in a moment. I would rather yeah. have it be a, a creep. And uh, I guess this what brings us – what's interesting is I don't know. In, in folk horror, I'm glad it's got a subgenre because I'm not sure that some of these movies are necessarily that scary. And that brings us to kind of one of the, the granddaddy of all folk horror movies was 1973's The Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. <laughs> and you said you wanted to talk about it. And I'm like, hey, okay. That, that was a favorite of mine growing up. So I'm definitely uh, down to discuss that film. Yeah, uh, it's it's become one of my favorites over the years. I only saw it for the first time maybe 10 years ago. One of my best friends, she and she's the one that has introduced me to a lot of horror. Like she showed me Suspiria for the first time. And The Wicker Man was oddly a movie that we would watch together in the fall. Like we would be like, you know, hey, do you want to like work on your Halloween costume and like come over to my place and like throw on a movie? And so The Wicker Man was something that she would put on. And so like I really associate the movie with fall and with October, Mm. even though it's like, it's May, it's the springtime, like it's the opposite of fall in the movie. But just the the fact that it is a horror movie and that I, I associate it with this time of year, it has become like such a, a cozy fall movie for me. And, you know, I don't know if it's like all the, the wind and like Christopher Lee's tweed suits that just still like evoke a feeling of fall for I me. I love that suit and that mustard yellow turtleneck. That's that's one of my a Halloween costume I want to do is Lord Summer Isle, like when he's dressed as like the the leader of the parade. <laughs> okay, so so the Wicker Man is one of your favorites, and uh, you yes, know, talk to me about the Wicker Man. Are you, first of all, are you aware of all the the, the not the controversy is per se, but the whole deal with all the different versions? Uh, I'm I've read a little bit about it on Wikipedia, but I didn't pay too close of attention to that is there something you would like to enlighten me about well i don't know what you've seen like have you seen the standard like 88 minute version have you seen the extended versions at all yeah i've seen the 88 minute version and there's like what a 93 minute version yeah and there was originally a longer one and supposedly the negative was destroyed and right which i'll take any wicker man footage that you have like i I love this movie (laughs) i've seen and it's hard, my, piecing my memory, but uh, several years back, and I think we had rented a DVD of it uh, where there was the extra footage um, that they had available still. And we watched that. But when I was a teenager in the late 80s, I saw it in the theater at this theater that I used to go to all the time that I mentioned on the show all the time, the, the Somerville Theater. And they had what was considered, the you know, at the time, they still had prints of it this extended 99-minute cut that was the full oh, version wow. that's not available. So I, I saw the whole full version of it, which takes place on the mainland to start when he gets the letter 
and you get information where he's the he's the super religious kind of prude and the other cops are kind of making fun of him and that they Rightly get the information so. that he's getting engaged and that he's not he's not had sex yet okay. which keeping that stuff in mind that it's not in this version yes you do have to kind of pay attention because it's not mentioned very much in this movie but it is mentioned it is mentioned that he's a virgin and i think that by not having that whole opening it's better because there's a little bit more mystery that you have to solve as the viewer that i think the gives it away too much at the beginning if you have that whole opening right i was gonna say like i the times i've seen it the first few times i saw it i didn't really have a, a problem like piecing that together i think the ultimate version that I've seen like they I think they do a good job or job of like piecing it together like when you have that scene where Britt Eklund is trying to like seduce him through the walls and he's having his flashbacks of like being in church and like taking communion and all that so um so that's like I mean again let's I would still like to see that additional footage but it's, it doesn't seem necessary now that scene which is great where she's like singing that song, the folk song, I love and she's that banging song. on the I door. need to find this soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> I, like Man every time soundtrack. I'm at a record store, I'm looking for it because it's just the music in this is so good. And that's, I think the first time I saw it, that's what really drew me in that opening corn rigs and barley rigs and corn rigs or Bonnie song that's like playing as he's flying, is flying the seaplane. The first time I saw it and I'm with my friend Jerry and she's like vouching for this movie and I trust her, her judgment, but just this music, I'm like, what the hell is this? But you best believe the next day I have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> well, it's so great is that it's it's very unassuming. It kind of draws you in. It's a it's a mystery, and at times it's kind of a mundane mystery. And you don't. It's not. I don't say it's suspenseful, and you don't feel like it's creepy. But ever so slowly towards the end of the movie, every single time, it just starts getting deeper and deeper. And it really gets you. And by the end of it, you know, it's like that the, That last 20 minutes of the movie is just, it hums along so fast and it's... Perfection. Like when the, the creepiness like doesn't fully kick in until like he realizes what is right. the Sergeant Howie realizes what's happening. And so like leading up to that, it's not exactly scary, but you're like suspicious and like uneasy because like you're just you're being given sergeant howie is being given all this like different information like rowan never existed rowan obviously did exist and just this going back and forth and you're like what the hell is happening and when you first see it and you don't yet know that all of the islanders are like in on it right. and that like how he's going through this this mayday right dressed as the fool and like you can feel his fear like are they going to behead him when they do the like six swords yes. and stuff like that like that's where it really starts to like you really start to get uneasy but the point where sergeant howie turns and sees the wicker man for the first time like when he knows like and you see it in his face that he realizes there's no way out of this situation that is true fear and i think the movie just does such a good job of like you're just like inhabiting sergeant howie's experience and like that 
sudden like drop that like pit of fear in your stomach you're like right there with him like you're not getting out of this like we're going in that wicker man (laughs) i don't know about you uh, but every time i watch it you know exactly how it's going to end but yet somehow you think this time maybe it could be different maybe somehow he is going to get out of it somehow yeah and that's what's so great about this movie is that even though you know it's going to end the way it ends, there's something about it you feel hopeful that because it gives you all those. He, he gets all those outs. They give him all these tests because they don't want somebody who's not pure. That's not going to help them. That's not willing. Yeah. And so it's always so tragic because if he just gave into his temptation with Britt Eklund. Yeah. Or if he just like stopped being a jerk for one minute like i don't <laughs> like sergeant howie <laughs> well, well, you know what's funny as you say that is that i've gone through different things doing the different uh, stages of watching this over time i think as a kid watching mm-hmm. it you know i was like this guy is awesome and he's trying to these people are nuts and crazy yeah but the last time i watched it over the weekend i'm like boy this guy is such a jackass he kind of deserves his fate <laughs> I, I was just thinking after this last time watching it, I wonder, because again, like the whole island is in on this, which like, bravo, like a community coming together to like, <laughs> for working towards a common goal. Like, when do you ever see that happen? So like, kudos, kudos to the, the inhabitants of Summer Isle. Uh, but I have to imagine at some point they're like, you know what? I don't even feel bad that we're going to sacrifice you because you're just being a jerk well it's a movie about religious it's about religious tolerance he's not a tolerant guy except like he comes in and is immediately like what the what are you doing you're you're so this is wrong you you don't have a church you don't have a minister you're not teaching these kids yeah oh my god and i before we got on this call i had to rewatch the scene where sergeant howie goes to lord summer isles house to like that's the best scene right <laughs> it's so good pure comedy like christopher lee in that scene is so perfectly deadpan and just nonplussed by by sergeant howie's accusations and the derision like he's it doesn't when he he tells sergeant howie that like you know jesus was the son of a virgin impregnated by a ghost and you just see howie's face like that's the best that that line is is the best so just like Boom, like <laughs> Lord Summer Isles, like check and mate. <laughs> when he's like complaining about the young girls like jumping naked over fire because yes. they want to be impregnated by gods. Yes. <laughs> well, I was going to say also in that scene, like where he says, uh, how he calls him a pagan, he's like a heathen, maybe, but certainly not an unenlightened one. <laughs> You, know, you always think of Christopher Lee as like all those creepy monsters and stuff. So when he plays right, movies, yeah. he's, he's so gentlemanly and he tries to put you at ease. I know. He's, he, God, he is so, so good as Lord Summer Isle. Like, I just, I love that character and I love that he's just like so unflappable while Sergeant Howie is like, losing his mind at this paganism and like this lack of the one true god and it's like again like the the islanders must have been like 
I'm glad we get to kill you. I would feel if somebody just comes into my like nice, idyllic, like beautiful island life and is just like, you need to worship God. I'd be like, oh, God, burn this guy. Well, I guess it's a lot of it is the credit of the screenwriter, the playwright, uh, Anthony Schaefer, is that this guy, Edward Woodward, who uh, plays the sergeant, he is so right in his convictions, but at the very end, right, he doesn't want to go in there. He doesn't want to die. And mm-hmm. so uh, at the end of it is calling the question, like Sar- Lord Summers, I was like, this is perfect for you, right? You get a chance right. to- Right, yeah. You get like the martyr's death. Yeah, you're going to get to go on, right? You believe in an afterlife, so this shouldn't even be a big deal for you, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, so great. It's it's so good. But I want to circle back just because we like touched on it. The scene with Britt Eklund, Willow, trying to seduce through the walls, Sergeant Howie, um, in the in the inn where he's staying. That that was another scene where I'm watching it for the first time with my best friend, just like, what are we watching? <laughs> right. There is a nude woman like banging on walls and singing. And I watch it now. And that scene, like Britt Eklund is so perfectly cast, in my opinion, because she is just like the walking embodiment of like femininity and like fertility. She's like blonde hair, like young, healthy, like round in the places she's supposed to be. And like, I don't know if I should tell you this then. Oh, God. Well, so the thing is, is that when Britt Eklund's doing that dance and she's against the wall, that's a bot. That's a body double. She was pregnant in, in real life. She had discovered she was pregnant during the shoot. And she's like, I can't do that. See, she is the embodiment of fertility. Yeah. So it was like, you know, she's like, I just can't do that. And of course, you know, Britt Eklund was an international uh, star and she was always in these movies, but she didn't speak English very well. So in almost any movie you ever see her in, she's dubbed and she was dubbed in this movie as well because oh. <laughs> she's like, you know, she's like Swedish or something. So Right. Yeah. But she just that scene it's it's supposed to be a seduction of Sergeant Howie and it's just she like she is Summer Isle like embodied and I just I the scene is just so bizarre and funny and weird and amazing. <laughs> this is how I came to the movie when I first had a VCR in the like probably like 84 85 you know you'd rent anything because video stores hadn't sort of become blockbusterized so you had these things yes your mom and pop and it was like whatever selection they had and we had this one that opened up on the mall that was near us and they would get all sort like it was run it was run by these like young weird dudes that like you know liked cult type films and that's what i liked so they were stocking all these weird things Mm-hmm. My parents rented it one night. The reason why they rented it was because of the star Edward Woodward was in the show that they watched The Equalizer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know him from anything else, so It's a show from the 80s where there's a guy who on the side he he kind of takes on the the jobs that are too tough for the police and he does you know sure. he's for hire. 
So he's the equalizer. He's a little bit of a vigilante. Well, Edward Woodward was the equalizer. My parents said, oh, look, it's this Edward Woodward. I don't know what this movie is. So they're watching this thing. And I had come in and I missed like the first 10 minutes. And they're like, Jake, you got to come over and watch this. This is the weirdest movie. I'm like, well, what is there? Like, there's this guy, he's a cop, and he has to go to this island. He's looking for this missing girl. And then that's when I came in kind of right where the seduction scene was coming in. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, this movie's really weird. And none of us knew where this movie was going to go. It was like you, discovering for the first time, you're like, I can't believe this movie. Yeah, what am I watching? And it just, it, and it's, it's a movie that we've been talking a lot today about slow burns. Like, this is a slow burn. And I wouldn't fault anybody who would say like, I don't know, the first like 30 minutes or whatever, kind of boring um, because he's just, you know, getting the run around and, and trying to figure out, like find this missing girl. Um, but it just, it, it ramps up so, so slowly. And when it does start to ramp, like it really just like punches you in the face, like with that terror and then, and then at the end, when you're able to like, you, when you have all the pieces of the puzzle as the viewer, like you really get to start start to realize like, oh, these people are like kind of sick. Like they planned <laughs> this whole thing, this like huge like psychological mind game. Like whatever research they did to find this one like super Christian copper, which that's. Christopher Lee says like something about meeting a Christian copper at some point, which I just think is so funny that he still uses that like a slangy word like copper. Well, I don't know if the if the original because I haven't seen that opening in a long time. I don't know if it's maybe implied that they had connections into the police force and they knew that oh, there's a perfect guy or not. I I, I don't know. I've seen the the remake, the the Nicolas Cage remake. The bees, yes, that one. <laughs> Which we can get into that if you want. That's a real great movie. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, in, I'm remembering in that version, there is like, he knew the woman who has the missing daughter. So like there's probably in the original or like in the source material, there's probably something, somebody knows somebody on the police force and probably heard like, this guy is such a downer. <laughs> Don't bring him to a party. Yeah, he just talks about church and he's a virgin. <laughs> he's like 50. <laughs> that out of all of these that are maybe similar to like the Wicker Man, the most successful I've seen is Midsommar. Because it, oh, you yeah. know, it, it, there's a formula there. You know it, it, that things aren't going to go well for people. Uh, but the ride is what's really enjoyable in midsummer mm -hmm. and then there are lots of surprises still he found ways to uh do a twist there's another film that's like both of those films in a weird way i didn't like it my former podcast partner teal did uh there's this movie called kill list i saw that uh, i think this year maybe yeah it's got that same deal right it's sort of like there's a folk horror element to it and that one, I think, if I remember correctly, I was kind of not digging it until the end again right, because right. there's the the fool and all that stuff, which that I was like, whoa, whoa that was messed up. 
Um, and then, you know, I, I suggested, and sadly it didn't work out, you, you you couldn't make it through, which is funny because you just talked about how you have to make it through a while in The Wicker Man before it all comes boiling in. Well, there's a sort of like a cousin sequel that Ron Hardy <laughs> got to do. Uh, he scraped together money. Uh, it's pretty low budget, uh, not shot it's that very well. low budget. And it's called it's The Wicker Tree. Well. It doesn't have good actors. <laughs> but the thing is, is that... If you can make it, the last half hour of the movie goes off the rails. And I'm not going to cut it. It's just, it goes so off the rails that I loved it in its own weird way. And yes, Christopher Lee makes an appearance. He was very not well at the time. And you could see that he was not well. All I can tell you is that he comes up with some more great sort of mythology to work in. And okay. There's some stuff with the characters, uh, and again, like the last like climactic resolution. I don't know. I, I can't remember much of it, but I, I know it was crazy, and it was enough to turn the movie in the right direction for me. Okay, maybe I'll see if I can find the ending on YouTube or something. Don't go crazy. Don't go hurting yourself to go watch <laughs> The Wicker Tree, but uh, it's certainly no Wicker Man. It certainly is not, and I, I made it through maybe like, 40 minutes of the wicker tree and it was just the the acting was was so bad and i was like i don't even know what's happening and it's like born again christians i found some enjoyment out of what happens in the last half hour of that movie um sure i can't fault you for that you didn't make it (laughs) yeah i did i couldn't make the cut because see so that's that's the difference that's where you know a budget and and quality performers comes into play because yes the wicker man is a slow burn but you had there's so much good stuff happening you have the seduction scene you have christopher lee being hilarious you have all these divisions of like all of their rights and like the parade and stuff like that there's just so many good little scenes like this movie is just great to look at and the wicker tree was like obviously low budget it didn't provide that. It didn't give you what you needed. But to see, now, no. one of the things I like about The Wicker Man is that it tells its entire story in 88 minutes, like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And today, that movie would have to be like two and a half hours. You're like, it, it, everything you need is right there in the film. It moves along and it's it's very economic, but you feel like you've watched a longer movie. Yeah. It's, the fact, I'm always surprised when I see that it's like 88 minutes and yeah, I don't, I'm like, I wish it were longer, but it, it doesn't need to be. It's like the perfect the perfect little length and it does everything that it, it needs to accomplish in that time. And it just it it just has such a hold on me. It it evokes so many feelings hmm. in me. Just like just like a feeling of coziness, but like dread and fear and and much like, you know, Midsummer was so lauded for like it's a scary movie that takes place like in broad daylight. Like it's always daylight. And like, that's the wicker man is largely during the day. And, you know, you have very few scenes at night and it just, it proves that there's like, things are just as scary in the daylight. Like it doesn't need to be dark for somebody to want to use you in a pagan ritual and murder. (laughs) Right. Because like in Midsommar, some of the things happen off screen, but they happen in the daylight. 
Exactly. Like it's the day can be just as terrifying. Here's a question that it just occurred to me to ask last year when my husband and I watched it, because I just showed it to him for the first time last year and he absolutely loved it. So I, I'm pleased and he has made it like part of our regular rotation. So what do you think happens at harvest time? Did the, did the ritual work? Are there, their crops on Summer Isle, or <laughs> will they get those apples out uh, on the boat yeah. this year? Are you are you Team Summer Isle or Team Howie? Oh, I mean, I think that it's a lot like what he says is that, yeah, maybe if the other weather conditions are right and everything, yeah, maybe you'll have the uh, crops. But see, that's why it's so great is that Edward Woodward is a contradiction, and he he believes in the rational and he thinks that these pagan rituals based all the stuff on the science and stuff. Is, mm-hmm. is, is hooey and he believes though in something that like Christopher Lee points out is a ghost story yeah and so 100%. it's what everybody believes in things and it's about faith and commitment so and I think the inhabitants of Summer Isle committed and they will have a great harvest oh, let's hope so yeah we'll get you uh, <laughs> one of those uh, Summer Isle uh, Harvest Festival 1973 shirts <laughs> I would love that <laughs> Do they make that? If they don't, you oh, they make do. That. There's, there's, oh, there's okay. ones out there. Uh, you know, you get, but you have to find the reputable source, right? There's a lot of, of people course. like on those like thread uh, red bubbles or whatever those things are, threadless yeah. and everything. And you know, you guys yeah. like your shirt looks like a good quality shirt. It is. Yes, I, I think that. who is it? It's Tease on Scene. T e e T e e s on Scene. I believe was the website. If anybody else, that's so cool. Um, yeah, they do like, and I think a lot of their profits go towards like supporting women and like uh, queer non-binary people in filmmaking. So also supporting a good cause. <laughs> Seeing the uh, the font and that color, uh, that is one thing uh, that Halloween Kills. It's got that uh, original credits. Yeah, I love that they like keep that purity there because it's it's just so iconic. Why would you change it? <laughs> Well, I do hope that um, you'll think of something else that you were like, I want to come back on and talk about this movie because this was great. I always enjoy Shannon from the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Yes. And again, like I always, I love to talk movies and if I find a willing ear, I'm happy to to chat for a while. So I think I'll definitely come back as long as you'll have me. Yeah. You you practically could be the (laughs) (laughs) co-host. You just don't I'm know. Take it over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Movie Morlocks. Uh, and I just spent all the effort to change the name over from the other program and then I'll have to come up Add with an S. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I'll just get my wife to create a second cartoon character of another Morlock. Hi. But that will have a shirt that says a Deborah Hill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Well, the plug is uh, what Shannon watched. That's, that's yes. the Instagram page that you can find. Yes, check it out. I'm watching all spooky movies this month, along with many, many other people. Listen, people uh, out there in uh, viewing land and listening land, uh, this is the movie Morlock, James Kent. And thanks for listening to the show. And again, thanks so much for Shannon coming on. Um, thanks what for a treat having for me. me because uh, <laughs> it is just fun. Like, first of all, like you actually said, hey, let's want to watch this movie i love this movie and i was like it was a great opportunity to watch something that my wife like loves watching every year anyway exactly, and i haven't yeah. seen it in a while it's been a while since Good i watched excuse. it and uh and again as soon as that uh, brit eckland 
and and her stunt double dance comes in, you know you're in for a movie that is not going to be quite like anything else. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, this will be airing before Halloween, uh, so there's still a little time left to uh, get costumes ready and get ready for the big day and see some more Halloween uh, films. And so uh, I definitely will be looking forward to checking out your Instagram page to see what else you've watched. Um, cause I do like to see what you've got up there and, uh, and yeah, what your thoughts a lot of are classics, a lot of classics come in, <laughs> uh, everybody, the, the great, a uh, Deborah Hill production, Shannon. Thank you. Bye. 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 I love that. Bye. I love it. <laughs> so good. <laughs>